Hello and welcome. Pour yourself a bowl of cereal, grab a spot on the couch, and join us in our Saturday morning pajamas. I'm your host, Jax, and we have a new co-host with us today. Go on. Don't be shy. Introduce yourself. Hi there. I'm Hi there. Two. I'm too. Hi, Do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Do joins us from the land of uh, written media. <laughs> but she has a wonderful website she'd like to plug. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm coming to you from bloody-mess.net, a horror website where horror and geekery meet and kind of go in the corner and make out a little. Yeah, sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes it's, oh, God, I can't look away. (laughs) Um, There will be a link to the site and more information on the blog post at nonoms.net. But we'd like to thank you all for joining us today as we discuss the uh, classic. Yeah, Yeah, classic. Ah, prom night, or hello, Mary Lou, prom night two. Things must rhyme when they're classics. Of course. All right, so general outline of this movie is, it is the 50s? Yeah, it's the 50s. Yes, 57. And there is a lovely, charming, totally, um. Skanky bitch. yeah, there we go. Name Mary Lou. I mean, not like she like writes her phone number on confessional walls or anything. Uh, yes, but she unfortunately has someone try and pull a carry on her, a carry white on her butt with fire. Bad things happen. Thirty years later, she still wants her fucking prom queen title. Well, who and hilarity ensues. <laughs> That's the basics of this movie. It is a sequel to the movie we talked about two weeks ago. I'm trying to remember when this was airing. <laughs> uh, but before we go into more details, we're going to take a moment. Here's some words from a few fellow podcasters, and we'll be right back. Sometimes it can be hard keeping up to date with everything going on in the gaming industry. The Sometimes Geek Podcast is a quick and easy listen each week that covers all the major gaming news while giving the opinion of an everyday gamer. You can find it at sometimesgeek.com or on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you normally grab your podcasts. Hey kids, I'm the Reverend Johnny Blumpkin, and I host a show that's about jokes and stories and games. There's pirates. Go fuck yourself. There's swearing. There's stories about poop. It's like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on Crack. And I do it absolutely free out of the kindness of my heart because I simply just want to make the world a better place, one chuckle at a time. Blumpkin and friends, join us on YouTube or on Twitter at Blumpkin Show. Welcome back. Weren't those some lovely messages? Please go give everybody a, a listen and links are as always on the blog post. So let's start off with a bit more about this movie. It is a sequel. Well, it claims to be well, a cl- sequel. Yes. It, it's one of those um, let's get on the bandwagon and milk someone else's work mm-hmm. for the all first, the money it's uh, worth. The first prom night in 1980 with um, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, it was it, it did pretty well. Um, you know, it was the 80s. Everyone loved horror movies, especially slasher movies, so it did good. So when uh, they're doing this movie... 
which was originally intended as a standalone. Um, you can kind of tell that because you're moving from a slasher film with a human villain to something more paranormal, um, because it is basically centered around a haunting and eventual uh, possession. Um, so basically they just slapped the title on saying, okay, we're going to make this a sequel, even though it has no real relation to the first one. There's two relations and they're entirely coincidental. Mm-hmm. The schools, both are Hamilton High. Of course. And uh, there's a line in both movies where someone says, it's not who you go with, it's who takes you home. Uh-huh. And I'm just assuming that was very popular to say in the 80s because it made its way into both movies. You know, it could have been a coincidence. It could have been something they just tried to plug in to make it work. But um, even having seen the first film, just to look at it, it, it's a much darker film. I mean, cinematography wise, very different from this one, which is, has a very kind of pop 80s feel. Which is natural, you know, given the year it was made. Yes. Overall, it's just the tones feel way different between the two movies. Oh, absolutely. The suspense, the the seriousness that you take the movie. Mm-hmm. Though, oddly, for this one about the slutty teenager, the first one had a lot more sex in it. True. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the time period, I think they were trying to move away from that idea that we still see in a lot of horror movies today, which every, you know, movie is going to have a half-dressed blonde running away in heels, you know, after some torrid and unnecessary sex scene. Um, already, they were kind of recognizing in the genre that it was overdone. Yeah, so we're going to be a little different. That's why Mary Lou's brunette. Of course, and that is as absolutely good thing you pointed out, because we have this series of brunettes in this movie. You have Mary Lou who is kind of, I would call an anti-hero in this film because she's just fun as hell. Yeah. Um, And then you have the modern day um, kind of incarnation of Mary Lou, um, the bitchy high school girl, Kelly, who's also gunning for the prom queen crown crown, um, in what is considered modern day 30 years after uh, the accident where, you know, Mary Lou becomes prom queen flambe. Mm -hmm. And again, we have the dark haired girl compared to our, you know, heroine of the film, who is uh, played by Wendy Lyon. Her name's Vicky. Long, frizzy blonde hair, really big kind of doe eyes, completely virginal, you know, strict Catholic family. To me, she looked kind of like an overgrown Cabbage Patch doll. I think it was the hair. Yeah, it it was the hair. Because once she started dressing... Oh, by the way, there's spoilers. Once she started dressing a bit more slutty later in the film, that part went away. Well, let me phrase it. Not her dressing slutty, her Mary Lou helping her dress slutty. And then you also have um, one of the one of the first. I think actually the first kill in the film, um, the uh, pregnant art student. Um, I can't recall if they say explicitly that she's pregnant, um, but it is heavily heavily implied and like not in even like a, a, a vaguely um, uh, sort of. You can't miss the fact. Yeah. I mean, over your head. 30 seconds after you meet this girl, it's like, oh, I have a doctor's appointment. Oh, don't worry about it. It's just a checkup, you know, and you know exactly what it is. Yeah. Even, you know, before she's crying on the bathroom floor about the guy who screwed her and left her. Um, so again, you have, and she's dark haired and she's kind of, you know, funky dressed, wild hair. Uh, so she is one of the bad girls because she's pregnant. And then, of course, the bitchy prom queen wannabe, Kelly, also dark-haired and pregnant. Even, like, the uh, Vicky's little bestie, who's kind of middle of the road, she comes off as really bitchy to some people, but good to Vicky and Vicky's boyfriend. 
also dark haired. It's like right out of a Taylor Swift music video, I swear to God. Oh, yeah. The old Taylor is dead. Yeah, yeah. Take this one, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting there. And bit of trivia here because AJ mentioned this. I had to bring it up. So both the girls who play Vicky and Kelly, the two main pr- rivals for prom queen, mm-hmm. they both voice Sailor Moon in the English dub. One was the younger one. One was the older one. And what a weird place to meet up again. Yeah. So if you hear, like, those voices, they sound familiar, just think of your childhood. That'll make (laughs) you feel better. (laughs) So other things interesting about this movie. Uh, Oh. Um, No, go ahead. I just have to call it one more thing from AJ so I can get down with his stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. He calls bullshit on Mary Lou's phone number. Because uh-huh. in 1957, she wrote a seven-digit phone number on the wall of the confessional. Ah, uh, true. have seven-digit phone numbers back then. Well, and that's, I mean, if you want to start picking at historical inaccuracy, <laughs> 1957, first of all, the, the title song, and I'll get into that in a minute, but the film is Hello, Mary Lou, which is a song that was around a little before 1961 when Ricky Nelson made it a number one popular hit but not that much so it's a little out of date and I'm not entirely sure on the social history of Canada where I'm assuming this film is supposed to be set since it is filmed there and you see Canadian money at some point um I don't know if they would have had an integrated prom and it's such a little nitpicky thing but that's true it can really take you out of a film when you see it to be fair though how many years has it been since some proms in the U.S. South stopped being segregated for prom? I don't know, two? Maybe, if we're lucky. <laughs> America. Yeah. <laughs> we are uh, um, often... They did get something right in that uh, Mary Lou's dress went up like a Roman candle because, you know, it was the 50s and lots of nylon and tulle, and who cares about warning labels? Exactly! We weren't... I love how the it's like the old Facebook things like we were complete idiots back then. No, you were just damn sure. lucky. <laughs> um, I found it very interesting to see um, the actor Michael Ironside who played um, the elder version of Mary Lee's boyfriend that she kind of dicks over, uh, Billy, the good um, okay. in this film uh, because he's kind of playing a good guy and I am so used to seeing him in villain or antihero roles. Um, off the top of my head, I would think of Scanners, which is hugely popular. And one of my personal favorites, he is one of the bad guys in uh, Watchers, based on the Dean Koontz novel, and also starring a very young Corey Haynes. I love it when in these, like, not huge, but cult favorite movies, you find someone playing against type. And it's just like, it throws you off, but then majority of the time, they're enjoyable. And he does it so well, too. Yeah. I mean, I would say out of everyone in the film, he is one of the more solid actors. Although I did really like uh, Lisa Schrage as Mary Lou. She's this perfect blend of sort of snotty, bitchy, you know, you knew this girl in high school. Every high school had one. Mm -hmm. And you hated her, but you also kind of wanted to be like her. You want her confidence, but not her STDs. Exactly. (laughs) I just wish that actress was in the movie more. Because for... 
a good three quarters of the time Mary Lou is on screen, she's actually possessed um, by uh, yeah, Vicky. She's possessing Vicky and being played by Wendy Lyon. Um, but Lisa has what I think is the best line in the movie as Mary Lou um, when she is in the middle of murdering um, her. Oh, sorry, spoiler. Uh, murdering her um, former. I guess you would say high school fuck buddy who is now of course a Catholic priest I guess out of guilt of walking his uh, kind of girlfriend go up in flames and killing him in a in a confessional no less um, and he's talking really about the it. afterlife <laughs> yeah the afterlife as she lived it and delivers this great line she goes do you know what pissed me off the most no fucking wings and it's just this perfect delivery it's hilarious and I think if they'd you know not slapped that prom night label on this done it as a standalone film put a little more effort into it mary lou could have been one of the horror icons of the 80s that we all know and love i mean we had our freddy we had our jason we had our um michael myers harkening back to the 70s we had our chucky there's really no female that stands up with that who spawned like a series of films and i think she could have been and it irks the hell out of me to see what could have been because they do make another one after this they make a third they make a fourth film as well which is absolutely absolutely terrible it has a different actress as mary lou and if you look actually at the cover art um from the old vhs case or like an old poster it looks like she's trying to be winona riders and heather and yes not a bad thing not quite working. they were going a different way and i wonder if maybe some of the extra money they got by making this a prom night movie allowed them to do a few extra things which is why they then decided to knock off another movie on the third and fourth ones to try and get more mm-hmm. more money and do more things. Well, they must have been rolling in money because if you look during this um, this movie, if, especially with uh, the Kelly character, I swear there's maybe one scene where she doesn't have a can of Diet Pepsi in her hand. True. I'm like, okay, nice product placement, but is it really necessary? And, you know, do you want uh, your product associated with a bitchy prom queen wannabe who first tries to buy the uh, votes and then um, earns it on her knees <laughs> to be prom queens. And that part, I, I have conflicting feelings about that part too where she she's pissed. I'm like, she was degraded because she got her knees to get that vote. She was degraded by that guy. But then she chose it willingly too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was an asshole because he did ask for it, but it was more important to her to get the crown or whatever, you know, uh, they do have that lovely line, whoa, Kelly, you really blew it when she <laughs> doesn't win, which is hysterical. Yes. Um, what bothered me the most about her character, though, is she does, you know, you assume die. It's such an unsatisfying death. I mean, you have this this chick who's been the the um, the antagonist of the whole film against uh, the nice yes. Vicky. And she gets this, like, little stab, room, stab wound in her stomach. Meanwhile, the nerd, you know, who she blue to get the votes you know gets his eyes burned out and you know not saying he didn't deserve it but seems a little weighted in one direction yeah they for a movie where the the main protagonist and villain all that are females the guys got Mm -hmm. the better scenes well i mean you do have in in terms of death scenes uh the vicky's best friend whose name unfortunately escapes me right now she gets squished in a locker during you know the a naked locker room frolic, which reminds everyone that, oh, yes, this was filmed in the yes. 80s. Um, absolutely no reason for them to be running around bare-ass naked, but, you know, there you go. 
Um, and for so, and that doesn't make sense in itself. I don't understand why she's running away from her friend who's kind of, you know, her friend Mary Lou is Vicky kind of puts the moves on her, you might say. Um, okay, unwanted, fine, but why are you running in fear? Why are you hiding? She, she didn't come off as, as malevolent, just, you know. It's more like a, nowadays it would be played more as, are you feeling okay for laughs type thing? Like, let's check your temperature, like, feel your forehead, all that stuff. Or even just, you know, bitch, get away from me. What's wrong with you? Not this, oh, run away, hide in the locker, and eventually get crushed like a car at a junkie, yeah. you know. But it was fun to watch the, the crushing part. Anyway. Yeah. I really liked the original friend, the uh, pregnant one. I liked her character for what little we saw of her. I kind of wish she stuck around a little bit just to give some more variety because it kept alluding to things and then backtracking a bit and then all of a sudden we get this big kill. Okay, now we're going back. Now we're going to look at this weird-ass horse that the girl for some reason has in her room. Oh, God. That, you know, I have had issues with that since I first saw this movie. I mean, first of all, what teenager has a giant carousel-sized rocking horse in their bedroom? Um, and then to see it with this um, long, veiny muzzle and this thick, slimy tongue sticking out. It's really gross, but you kind of get what they're alluding to with that. Um, still disgusting. They, 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 and I, I don't, I don't see what it gives. Exactly. Like it was, it felt like it was building into something. And while that something probably would have been like horrible, at least give me that something or don't allude to it at all. Don't tease. Because mm-hmm. that tongue reminded me of like from the first Nightmare on Elm Street where Freddy's talking on the phone to Nancy. Yes. Well, yes, but they lifted, and as much as I like the idea of this film of, like, an evil prom, prom queen come back to life, they lifted a lot from oh, other yeah. films. Um, we have, you know, the big scene at the end where uh, Mary Lou crawls out of what is presumably Vic's, Vicky's corpse and is on the the prom, the prom you know, stage uh, using telekinesis, and there's fire all over, very much, you know, harkening back to Carrie. Um when we see Vicky at the, you know, her rescue at the end where she like falls out of this goopy case in the basement of the school, um, you would have to do a double take not to see Carol Ann at the end of, you know, at the middle end of Poltergeist, you know, being pulled out of, out of the, the, you know, the light in the living room, uh, when they send the mom in to get her out. And, um, there's allusions to the exorcist. They mention it by name a few times. And then the, uh, dead nerd guy does a little head spin. And of course, um, the ending when you have uh, the supposedly rescued Vicky in the car with her boyfriend and her boyfriend's father, who happens to be Billy, the principal, um, Mary Lou's ex-boyfriend. It's pulled right out of the original Nightmare on Elm Street, where the movie ends with the villain in control, the car doors locking and speeding off. And that ending makes no sense. Like, okay, how did she get over to him? And why are we suddenly here? And why are they leaving so early? Don't the cops want to talk to the last people out of the building? Exactly. And, you know, on top of that, it, it, it makes no sense that we see Vicky going, undergoing this physical uh, and mental transformation throughout, you know, the early part of the film where she's swearing, you know, which good Catholic girls don't do, you know, and she she's tired and she's drinking her coffee with sugar, only to have her physically disappear and be replaced with a new physical form. Um, she gets pulled in through a, a chalkboard, yeah. which is pretty cool. I mean, it, it's it's an interesting... They were very creative um, and I know where the budget idea. went. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And after she's pulled in, the sort of like replicant version 
that is, you know, Mary Lou's in charge of this body it comes out of this case in the basement where the prom queen relics were stored. Okay, so if Vicky, you know, first does this sort of possession and then goes into this completely formed new person with the real Vicky being held somewhere, how does Billy um, become possessed? How is he possessed by Mary Lou without, you know, that whole body swap thing going on? And more importantly, what ghost of a 17-year-old girl would give up a 17-year-old girl body to be Unless she purposely kidnapped them to get back into the body. But still, it's not... The gig is up. It's left so open. It's obviously sequel bait, but it's irksome. Mm -hmm. And another irksome thing, which I had completely forgotten about until I was going through a rewatch. Um, we see throughout that Vicky is raised in a very strict household. Her father is more lenient. Her mother is um, sort of a crazy strict Catholic, won't let her buy a new dress. Hates the boyfriend um, because he has a motorcycle, which makes no sense. Because what kind of bad boy, you know, motorcycle kid they're trying to make him out to be leader of the pack when his father is well, the damn principal. Yeah. I mean, well, come on, the mom trouble. was the whole. Um, so she doesn't need a doctor. She just needs to pray to Jesus. No. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in this household, and then we see Mary Lou as Vicky dressed up in this dress, which I swear is blue and not green. Like the I thought thing. she got a new dress. Um, pretty much full on. How? That's all I could think oh, of because I'm like, that's not. That does not look like a dress her mom would wear. Right. So we see her going to the prom and before she throws some telekinesis and throws her mom out the door, I kind of hope she died because she was a crazy bitch. Um, we see Mary Lou as Vicky making out with Mary Lou's father. I'm sorry, with Vicky's father. And Vicky's father doesn't seem bothered by this. And that just is a little disturbing <laughs> to me. I'm like, we're in incest territory here. Okay. Honestly, what is that all I about? I mean, like... On one hand, yeah, we know that this is Mary Lou. On the other hand, what is wrong with mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. It's Mary Lou, but it's still Vicky's dad. And he yes. thinks that's Vicky. So what is going on there? I mean, at first he just seems like the lenient, doting father. He recognizes that the mother is, you know, completely off her rocker or yes. rocking horse. Um, and, you know, is trying to be a little more lenient with his daughter. But then he, you know shoves his tongue down her throat. What, if, what, what is, is that? Why is I that necessary to the film? Okay, let's say the mother is uber-religious now because she was a slutty teenager and that's not her real father. Uh-huh. Well, he did mention taking the mother to the prom, which, you know, would have been really great if they had tied that into the beginning of the film and showed them... Except this, this is 30 years well. and the girl's 17... Well, it doesn't mean she had to have her right away. I mean, look at Billy. His kid is 17. True. This is true. So many theories. Well, I mean, it's yes. just a thought. It and it would have been like, let's just tie blue sands with what we already have instead of playing, let's be a writer for the show Lost and make more questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's one thing that irritated me from the moment I started watching this again. And I actually complained to you, Jax, about this quite a bit. Um, there's this epidemic right now, I think, in film, especially things from the 80s and early to mid 90s, um, where as they are being, you know, pulled from the from the archive, so to speak, and released on DVD and you know DVD sets and Blu-ray and for streaming, which this film in particular is available um, to stream, I know for yes. certain on Amazon Prime. Um, 
as they're being re-released, the, the companies that own the current rights do not want to pay to use the music that was original to the film. Now, I can't say for certain if that was a problem in this one because I haven't been able to get my hands on a VHS copy. And even if I did, I don't actually have a VCR I saw at the them. moment. I should probably get one because because there's a lot that is not being put on DVD. Yeah. But that's all. If I if I, um, I have a VCR, I think it still works. If I I think I have the mm-hmm. cords to rip it from VHS, but I'm not 100 sure. But if I could, I would check. So, I mean, as I had said before, the film's title comes from a very popular song from 1961, Hello, Mary Lou, um, sung by Ricky Nelson. And in the very beginning of the film, you can hear about six muted seconds of this in Mary Lou's car as she pulls up to the church at the very beginning. That is the only time in this film, in the current version, you can hear this. Now, my memory could be a little shot. I mean, I saw this for the first time. I was, like, actually a child, so I could be wrong. But I could swear that that song should have been played mm-hmm. throughout the It makes the sense. Um, instead, we have the Ronnie Hawkins song, Mary Lou, which is about a gold digger. <laughs> okay, fine. It, it kind of fits a little, but it goes against the title and I again I'm almost positive that there was this other song and this is you know like I'm saying a problem in film um, there have been DVD sets released where entire episodes have been stripped out of the TV series because they relied too heavily on a specific song or specific music and they didn't want to play the, pay for the rights which is stupid if you're going to put something out again pony up the money it can't be that expensive if you're going to make money off this film by making it available put in a little action so people can see it in you know the original format because there's people like me who's going to see something like this and just get irritated i have shit three examples that right. go along with this um one mm-hmm. is the daria tv series that came out um we own it i don't watch the dvds i watch versions online because they have the original music and that's how i remember it there was the um yes. the tv show mission hill there was this one episode mm-hmm. where this guy Andy was on like a real world type show and a big plot point is in the show in the show they're playing Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. but they couldn't get that licensing mm-hmm. so instead on the DVD they play a different song during that scene but at the end of the episode mm-hmm. where we're back in the present time or whatever everybody starts singing Everybody Hurts because we could get the licensing for that part but it makes no sense because mm-hmm. that entire joke is a reference to earlier, right. which they cut out. Mm-hmm. And I know I had mentioned to you once before um, the TV series Profiler, which is a very good um, mid-90s, um, sort of the first foray into criminal profiling that ever made it onto network television. Um, they had a serial killer, uh, the Jack of All Trades, and in one specific episode, he is continually um, requesting the police song, Every Breath You Take, to be played and dedicated to this profiler that he's been stalking for years. They completely stripped the episode out of the DVD releases rather than pay because there was no way they could do the episode without that song. So instead, they give what I feel is like a half-assed DVD set to people. But kudos to the people who own the rights to the uh, WB alien drama Roswell who first included a note saying that much of the music had to be changed because of licensing issues, but made sure the one episode they had that featured entirely music by the Counting Crows, that that did not change because it was so important to the mood of the episode. 
So there are two ways that you can do this. And in terms of this film, yes. I think they really fit. Uh, and there's just, I mean, they try, but um, my third example is going to be AJ is still upset because he loved the Drew Carey show. They will not release that because they can't get the music mm-hmm. rights and they're not going to change the music. And oh, it's just like, I get in the 90s, they didn't think this was going to be an issue. Well, considering now that like half mm-hmm. the media companies own half the music companies anyway, why can't you all work together? Mm-hmm. The problem is the wrong companies. Own yeah, the companies. There, there's something they'll sabotage each other. There was something uh, AJ was watching the other day, which was talking about how like, OK, so this is going to the comic book movies just for a second. So mm-hmm. Disney, ABC, whoever the hell they own Marvel. But yes, Disney. But and Fox owns X Men. All hail the mouse. So Marvel will straight up yeah, not. Marvel is. has put a ban on creating new X Men for the comics because they do not want to give more material to Fox. And meanwhile, Fox cast Channing Tatum as Gambit and makes me want to set my hair. Did on you not see Wolverine Fox. Origins? Please don't be worse than that because no. Gambit was in that, and it was. Yeah. Oh, yes, I did see that. It was in Spanish, but I saw it. Um, Yeah. No no bueno. Um, Yeah, Marvel is like a whole other rabbit hole. But I think, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. In the 90s and such, when some of these movies and TV shows were coming out, the only thing you could buy, you know, to take home were like eight VHS, an eight tape set of the X-Files season one, you know, and it was like $200. So they didn't really think about that. But now we're at a time, I mean, where media is so available. I mean, look at this movie. Was it 1987? I remember seeing this as a child and being, like, entranced. You know, just the whole idea of it. And now it's available. Mm-hmm. I can Anyone. watch it in my living room. You you can watch really it on your to. phone, wherever, just, like, anything that's connected to the internet. You know. Mm-hmm. On your phone. Yeah. Tablet, I mean, whatever you hell, want. I think this gives me the option on my phone to download it so I can just be, like, anywhere as long as I had done it. It's like, mm-hmm, before, mm-hmm. like, at the time this was released, like, you see it in theaters, or you find, like, a family-run video store that's not being all creepy and will actually let you rent movies. Some of those but, there was one. We were heading up somewhere. It's about 30, 40 minutes from me, but we were heading up to the mountains, and we passed the video store, and AJ refused to stop so I could take a picture of the relic that was still open. <laughs> it was not blockbuster. <laughs> But yeah, I, in spite of all of that, the mess with the music and the you know the poor branding and getting it actually got ripped apart. I read I was reading by critics at the time, and I think part of that was due to trying to rebrand it as part of the prom night series. I feel like this movie did have a lasting effect um, because I remember specifically, you know, the scene uh, where we see Mary Lou both you know both scenes on the prom stage one where she's burning one where she's sort of healing after crawling out of Vicky as like this creature um, is this vision of this beautiful prom queen in this you know the the prom 1950s are like the prom queen era you know it, it's it when you think prom queen that's like your immediate thought is this sort of elegant girl in this little bit old-fashioned dress with her crown and her flowers so we have this image you know that we all know only it's completely marred by being you know half burned alive or half covered in goop and it's a great image because you see it repeated through media and i don't know if it's an it's you know a nod to this film or not but i i distinctly recall on um, one of the halloween episodes of the tv series mm-hmm. roseanne which i love to death um where the older daughter becky is 
on the phone and she's dressed as a prom queen and then she turns and you see the whole half of her is all bloody and, and burned and, and most gross. likely they went for a generic then, prom queen uh, title but we know where it came from mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, it it's very much i feel like it harkens back to this and then you see later um in the remake of 13 ghosts with tony shalhoub and uh matthew lillard who i love to death um one of the 13 ghosts is this sort of ruined prom queen and she had the more 80s look but it's the same thing it's like we love this image of this kind of perfect um debonair prom queen somehow completely you know marred and and you know battle scarred and ruined and it's pervasive in media and it still goes on oh yeah so at least there is some some lasting effect to that degree if you know even if this movie is not you know the first one on the lips of someone when they say, let's watch a horror movie. You know, they're not, they might say, oh yeah, prom night too. I mean, I might, but most people probably This is more, this is not for the person that's just like, oh, what's on? Ooh, let's watch Saw for the 50th time. No, this is for someone who's seen a few and really enjoys horror movies. They like the bad horror movies. Mm-hmm. They- because you'd like to celebrate, you know, whether they were, you know, the really ones that scared the crap out of you or the really shitty ones. Even if they're this bad, is the type of that, yeah. and this was like the epitome of that '80s kind of schlocky, you know, could have been great, didn't turn out so great, but we still love it because we love it. Like you know, the original April Fool's yes. Day, which is terrible, this, but we love it. When you, th- when I think '80s slasher flick or whatever, you know, Friday Thirteenth, okay, that comes to mind, but not right away. It's movies like this because mm-hmm. Friday Thirteenth is seen absolutely. This is the kind mm-hmm. of stuff that's. Um, you would see, and I think you made a great point with this, um, the little shitty mom-and-pop family-owned video store that would mm-hmm. have that horror section with all these movies. And in the 80s, they had these great um, sort of hand-painted, you know, the image for the posters. They weren't doing all, you know, photos and, you know, stylized photos and Photoshop then yet. A lot of it was illustrated, and you would see these great covers, and they're weird and they're gory and you're like you wouldn't even have to know what exactly and now everything has to be sanitized to be sold at walmart or what have you um and it's just horrible and there actually is though Mm -hmm. some there's some movies i saw the blu-ray collection Mm -hmm. or dvd collection at best buy where they're redoing some classic movies with like different hand-painted covers Yes, they're they're very, they're quite cool. I, Return of the Living Dead may be downstairs somewhere because I haven't seen. I actually haven't seen that. I actually have not seen that movie, mm-hmm. but the cover art is awesome I mean, enough that, that, that I'm like, I'll give it a try. Films. I didn't need to read the back. I'm like, okay, this is good. Mm-hmm. And that's what a movie cover should do. So yeah. <laughs> so the the film after this one I mentioned before, the cover makes Mary Lou look like. You know, a wannabe Veronica from Heather's that is Prom Night 3, Last Kiss, um, starring Courtney Taylor. Um, sorry, yeah. Courtney, don't bother with this movie. It's just, I mean, there's the bad that's really good, and then there's the bad that's just really bad. And unfortunately, that one falls in, in that realm. Um, if you're looking for more kind of high school homicide things, there's always the original Prom Night, which, uh, of course, uh, Jackson AJ have already told you all about. Um, there's Cutting Class from the early 80s with a very, very young Brad Pitt. Pitt. Too, a lot of fun. For some reason, and my favorite Poltergeist like kind of are not my favorite. Not so the shitty. one I, look, I remember um, the most clearly is the, the third one, only because no one ever showed the second one on TV. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, fun fact. I have like a personal fact about that one. When they were filming the very end of that movie, unfortunately, um, the young girl who played Caroline had passed away. Um, so when they're coming out of the light and you see what's supposed to be Tom Skerritt and uh-huh. the daughter carrying Caroline, you just see like this girl's, you know, long blonde hair at the back of her. That is actually my cousin's childhood right, friend. Right. Because I've been the little girl stand in throughout the movies. And because you know, someone famous. Yay. Film this scene, they filmed it with her. You just could not see her face. Marjorie. So there is there is my random story about Poltergeist three. <laughs> Marginally famous. I marginally. think my I family goes um, in like some cousin who was a stuntman. Many removed cousin was Lizzie Borden or something, and that's about all we got. <laughs> but my sister figured it out, and I don't feel like talking to her to figure it out. So we're moving on. Oh, hot damn! Well, considering it's 20 years between visits at this point, okay, so what, I think what we're good. what you're telling me is that you know, the next time I come visit you, I just have to make sure there's no accidents. Yes. And I, for all our listeners, yes, it took me almost 20 years to get her out here. I just had to get married. That's all. Now you're just making a sound. <laughs> Nothing big. <laughs> all right. Any more thoughts on the movie? Hey, it needs to be a big occasion, Okay. Um, let me see here. I think I covered everything. I mean, we do see. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Definitely see this movie. I mean, I wouldn't steer you for something that's bad. I have, I am very, very um. Uh, uh, blunt when I don't like a movie, and you know, this is just fun. There's decent jump scares. You have kind of a fun villain who you kind of root for. All right, and, and I'm shit, going like with that. Yes, and, definitely you know, check it out. It daddy. is fun. Um. Hell, you all watch it, it with your ultra conservative fun. friend or family or person who's not really into horror. Leave them leave them by the side of the road. They can go watch. Actually, that might be fun too. <laughs> Find your most conservative for Catholic, them. you know, bound up, and I can I can I can you know say most conservative Catholic because I was raised Catholic and I know. No, no. You um, want to save the movie. I haven't watched it yet, but it's on Amazon. Bloody, it bloody Bible camp. Watch it with them and that is the movie to play at, you, you know, that. at It'll the next uh, youth retreat. <laughs> um, but yeah, if it's someone, you want to have someone who's going to actually get Ooh. the movie and not just bitch the whole time. Um, but there definitely check go. it out. And on the blog post, we will have links to the DVDs and stuff for this one, the first one, the next two. Exactly. Somehow, three and four are in a combined box set because no one wants to pay for two separate DVDs. Odd. <laughs> hey, I found Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 that way. It was my best find. It's one of those ones yeah. that you're eventually I've only been injured a few times going through that, but yes. at the bottom of the bin at Walmart. <laughs> Which is one of the better yes, ones. Yes, definitely. Um, do you want to remind everyone about where so, to find your website? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, Jax. This has been a lot of fun. I may have to stop by again. Oh, absolutely. It's bloody-mess.net. Uh, we're in a little state of disrepair right now as we're going through some right. staffing changes. And I we would like to just thank all the blood, listeners so on TuneIn, Stitcher, Podbean Player, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spreaker, um, and everywhere else podcasts are streamed. You are what makes creating this podcast worthwhile, and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. 
And please remember, if you like this podcast even a little bit, why not consider becoming a patron? Uh, you can find more information at the tip jar at nonoms.net. And until next time, be excellent to each other.